Okay, today we're going to be discussing the power of positive forgetfulness. Judaism and the Bible talk a lot about remembering. It's one of the Bible's big ideas. You find it all over the place, really. You'll find the term five times in Genesis, for example, and three of those times in the life of Joseph. But it's all over the Bible, over 160 times. When Purim approaches, we observe Shabbat Zachor, the Shabbat of remembrance, when we're told to remember Amalek and to not forget. The Torah tells us to remember the day God took us out of Egypt uh, uh, and to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. God speaks many times of remembering his covenant and God's holy prophets, including Moshe Rabbeinu, repeatedly beseech God to remember his promises to his servants. Moses pleads after the incident of the golden calf to, quote, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. And you said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. The Bible stresses something else a close relative of remembering, and that is forgetting. The final verse of last week's parasha tells us that Yosef begged uh, the cupbearer of Pharaoh to intercede on his behalf because he didn't deserve to be in prison, being innocent of all charges. The text tells us, Yosef Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. This verse at the end of last week's parasha talks about bad forgetting. But this week's parasha reminds us that not all forgetting is bad. Some forgetting is good. And that means it is good for me and it's good for you. Looking at the Bible, today we are going to discover how forgetfulness can be a very good thing. You will go away from this sermon determined to forget better. So let's take a look then at the power of positive forgetting. Yiddish author Sholem Ash wrote, not the power to remember, but its very opposite, the power to forget, is a necessary condition for our existence. Now, how is this so? Why is the capacity to forget a necessary foundation for a satisfying life? How does that work? Our parasha, I'm sorry, just a moment. How does that work? Mm-hmm. 
how does that work? Why is the capacity to forget a necessary foundation for a satisfying life? Our Pasha provides us some answers. When it reports Yosef, Joseph, naming his two sons, we read here, Vayikra uh, uh, Yosef et Shem HaBachor Manasha, Ki Nashani Elohim et Kol Amalev et Kol Beit Avi. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, meaning God has made me forget completely my hardship and my parental home. And then we have another reference. Et Shem HaSheni Korah Ephraim Ki Hifrani Elohim Ba'aretz Ani. The second he named Ephraim, meaning God has made me fertile in the land of my affliction. This kind of forgetfulness does not mean losing the ability to recall something. Yosef had not lost track of the things that had happened to him. No. Instead, this kind of forgetfulness means focusing our attention elsewhere, focusing our attention elsewhere so that the unpleasant things are no longer center stage. Yosef focused on the birth of his son, which helped him to get beyond the bitter memory of the injustices he suffered and the fact that he was homesick. Torah reinforces this lesson when speaking of the birth of his second son, uh, named Ephraim, because God has made me fruitful in the land of my misfortune. Here again, Yosef is able to transcend misfortune by switching his focus from the memory of his tragedies to a vision of his blessings. We can and we should do the same thing. I call this practicing the power of positive forgetfulness. Here's a definition. Practicing the power of positive forgetfulness means redirecting our focus away from anything that deters, detours, or dismays us and focusing instead on what is fruitful and worthy of praise. We saw how Torah demonstrates this principle and how Yosef shifted focus, uh, and it's evident uh, in, in how he names his sons. Yosef is one of the most productive people in the Bible, and he repeatedly practiced positive forgetfulness, turning from what is negative that detours and distresses him to what is positive and hopeful. Earlier in his life, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was framed on a rape charge. He was unjustly imprisoned in the prime of his life uh, for about 12 years. But Yosef knew that this was not the end of the story. He apparently held on to and remembered his dreams of ultimate glory. He held on. Over and over again, Paul practices and recommends the power of positive forgetfulness. He states the principle 
for us clearly in Romans chapter 8, where we read this. I don't think the sufferings we are going through now are even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us in the future. And later he says, it was in this hope that we were saved. But if we see what we hope for, it isn't hope after all. Who hopes for what he already sees? But if we continue hoping for something we don't see, then we still wait eagerly for it with perseverance. Notice his reference to perseverance. This is the life momentum that comes from positive forgetfulness. Paul knows that we are suffering now. He's not denying it, but he urges us to not focus on these sufferings. When we focus on the sufferings, we get detoured to the doldrums. Instead, we can persevere and maintain momentum by focusing on the glories yet to be revealed, waiting eagerly for them with perseverance. Again, this is no minor idea for Paul, but a foundation of his remarkable life. In Philippians, Paul again invokes the power of positive forgetfulness. He talks about having transcended the things that used to be his sources of pride, and he has recented his focus, saying, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining forward toward what lies ahead. That is positive forgetfulness. I keep pursuing the goal in order to win the prize offered by God's upward calling in the Messiah Yeshua. Therefore, as many of us as mature, let us keep paying attention to this. And if you are differently minded about anything, God will also reveal this to you. Only let your con conduct fit the level we have already reached. Forgetting what lies behind and pressing towards what lies ahead, God's upward call on Messiah, this is positive forgetfulness and a perfect statement of the principle which Paul hammers home. But that's not enough. Again, in the 12th chapter of the Address to the Hebrews, we read, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, which in Hebrews is unbelief, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Yeshua, that is, focusing on him who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And the text goes on to say that even Yeshua practiced this principle when it speaks of him as the one who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. He put that behind him. He, he forgot about that compared to the joy that was set before him. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne 
of God. Notice, he didn't focus on the cross. He focused on the joy that was set before him. So, what does this mean for us? We've been looking at practicing the power of positive forgetfulness, which means redirecting our focus away from anything that deters, detours, or dismays us, and focusing instead on what is fruitful and worthy of praise. Here are some ways to put this into practice. Number one, whenever something negative happens to you, or is said to you, or about you, treat it as a learning experience for the future. Do not focus on the negative occurrence. In that sense, practice the power of positive forgetfulness. But shift your focus to what you might learn from the experience that makes you wiser for future living. This is a shift in focus from obsessing about the past to focusing and preparing for the future. Number two, you will have negative internal or external experiences. But do not allow them to become your focus. Practice the power of positive forgetfulness by finding and focusing instead on something for which to commend yourself in and around the situation, or something in which you can find hope, including believing in the merciful purposes of God for you. Yeshua told us in the New Covenant reading today that no one can ever snatch them out of our Father's hand. There's a positive statement for you. That really got to me. How about you? Find those things in the situation for which you can commend yourself or in God from which you find hope and focus on them and not on the negative. Finally, number three, realize that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He doesn't want us detoured, discouraged, or deterred. Turn away from these things. That is, practice the power of positive forgetfulness. Focus instead on knowing that God is always at work in us to maintain positive momentum. As the Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God is not the source of deterrence, detours, or dismay. Don't stand still for any of that because it is anti-motivational quicksand and it will suck you in. Instead, remember how Paul states our principle when he said, forgetting what is behind me and straining forward toward what lies ahead, I keep pursuing the goal in order to win the prize offered by God's upward calling in the Messiah Yeshua. Then he says, therefore, as many of us as are mature, let us keep paying attention to this. And if you are differently minded about anything, God 
will also reveal this to you. Only let your conduct fit the level we have already reached. Stand your ground and press on. And here is a, uh, um, a final tidbit for you to keep in mind. The past is a point of reference, not a place of residence. Again, the past is a point of reference. You can learn from it, but don't live in the past. It's not a place of residence. Let us learn to get past the past. Press on to the upward call. Practice positive forgetfulness. Shabbat Shalom.